Oh man, just, uh, I'll just fiddle with the technology. Bear with me a moment. Um, I'm going to share with you this morning um, kind of part of the journey we've been on in Stockton Church. Um, this year in Stockton Church, we, we, we've been looking at our relationship with God and what does that look like and how does that express itself and also our service to God. How are we with each other? How are we with other people? And, and, and one of the questions that I've been asking really since Christmas was, what do people see when they see you? Amen? What, what is it that you give out? Now, now, for many of us, it's interesting, for me at least, I find it very interesting that, that we all have different heroes. We all have people that we look up to and, or, or think, oh, I wouldn't mind being like that. The funny thing and the reverse side of that is this, that many people look at you and think, oh, I wish I could be like that. Now, you might never know who that is, and that's not important. But there are people who go through much worse times than us, or much more difficulties, or wish they had a talent or a skill or something, and think, God, you know, if only I could do numbers like Paul. You know, if only I could sing like, like Chris. If only I was good looking like Malcolm. If only, you know, if only I could be as loving and caring as Alan. And, and often we don't realize that people look and think, I want to be like that. And, and it's an interesting thing that that happens almost to everybody. And we don't really know, but it's true. But the question remains, what do people see when they see us, because that becomes an important question if I'm right and people are looking at you and people are listening to you. Oh, hallelujah. Ooh. Ooh. We, we tend to look at other people and sometimes we model ourselves on other people because, oh, I, I want to be like that. Oh, I wish I could do that. I can remember when I first started preaching, I watched Jimmy Swaggart a bit. Um, Jimmy Swaggart's an amazing preacher. Whatever you think of his personal life and his politics or whatever that is, it doesn't matter. He can, he can speak really well and he draws you in. I thought, oh, I'm going to be like that. So I picked up a couple of his phrases and I was preaching one Sunday and I started using them. Hallelujah. I was throwing it out there. Ooh. And I'm going to get an amen. And I was doing stuff like that. And afterwards, my wife went, Psh, what's wrong with you? That's not you. Be yourself. I was like, I was being, you weren't. Because I don't do that. But I thought, well, that looks great. And, and there's a temptation to do that. And, and so we all do it. And the funny thing is, Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, there's nothing new under the sun. So nothing I'm doing or nothing you're seeing or nothing you're doing is new. So the question is, isn't new. What does it look like? Man. So, I mean, we all have different ideas of what a hero is. For some people, it's footballers. Not, not for me personally, but actors or a soldier. Somebody who's brave or maybe it's Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. Or, or for me, C.T. Studd. For those of you who know C.T. Studd. Amazing missionary, amazing man of God. 
You know, there are people that we do look to, and that's fine. My personal hero in Scripture, which is what I want to talk about this morning, is an amazing woman. It's in the book of Ruth. It's slotted right in there between Judges and Samuel. If you want to have a look, just go to Ruth. We're not really going anywhere else. Ruth was an amazing woman who made one of the most profound statements, as far as I'm concerned, in the entire Bible. She, she, she encompasses resolve. She makes a decision of heart, of faith, and she does it all in three verses. And the woman commits herself to service without knowing what it's going to cost. Now the trouble is today is we want to know how much it's going to cost before we do it. Ruth says, I don't care what it costs, I'm going to do it. This is what she says, Ruth chapter 1 verses 16 to 18. But Ruth replied, urge me, uh, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me and be, be ever so severely if anything but death separates us. When Naomi realized this, that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Oh, hallelujah. That is an amazing statement of faith, of intent. It requires action. It's not just words. Hallelujah. That's not just a strap line. And there's nothing in it for Ruth. Absolutely nothing. Ruth has absolutely no idea what's coming. Here's the first question, brothers and sisters. What did Ruth see in Naomi that made her make that promise? Think about it. She makes a promise to a person. She's not making it to God. She says to that person, she says to Naomi, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to give all of my life over to you. This is what I'm going to live for. I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my God. Imagine what she must have seen in Naomi to make her make that statement and refuse point blank to go back. Oh, what do people see when they see us? Mm, hallelujah. Naomi must have been living the word. She must have been a person who knew God. And that people, particularly Ruth, could see God in her. Oh, first question, do people see God in you? Nobody amen except young Nathan over there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Nathan. Bless you. Come on. Do people see God in us? I hope so. Aren't you living it? If you're not, you need to line up at the front and me and the pastors will pray for you because there's something wrong. You declare yourself a Christian. I'm a follower of the living God. I will live for God. God died for me. And then, and then what? Nobody sees it when you leave this building. Nobody hears it when you speak. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, man. I want to be like Naomi. I do. I want to share what I have and other people see it. I'll live for it. I'll die for it. And Ruth says, I'm going to do the same. 
Oh, what a challenge to us today in the world we live in. To live for something that's bigger than ourselves and say, I am going to live for that. And if other people see it and say, I want it. I want it so much, I'm going to dedicate my life to it. And everybody is here because somebody spoke to you. Ninety-nine percent of Christians come through personal witness. With all the other stuff that we've got going on, God bless the internet and we use it and all that stuff. Over ninety-nine percent of people still come because someone talked to them. Amen. Let's talk to people. When Ruth saw her, Naomi's heart, she was prepared to give her life. Amen. I'm here because my wife went to a craft club where they had children. I can remember. It was on Mondays. She used to go, used to do soup and bread for a pound, and they used to teach people how to knit and sew and, and do stuff. And she'd come home one day and she said, Those people have something I want. Now the funny thing is about that is that every time somebody in the church tried to witness to Ethna, God stopped them. So she only could see how they were living and listen to what they were saying and how they were talking. And she wanted it. Oh, hallelujah, the people want what we've got. Hallelujah, I hope so. Oh, glory. I do. I want to be less of me and more of him. Come on. Who doesn't want that today? Less of me, more of him. Oh, don't see me, Lord. Help them to see you in me. Come on. That's who we need to be, who we want to be. I love that Ruth makes this commitment with no promises, with no expectation. Hallelujah. There's nothing in this for Ruth. Nothing. We'll come to what she had to go through. Why I like Ruth is because she decided to live it. She didn't just talk the talk. Amen. She walked the walk. Literally. She walked the walk. You know, I worked it out that Ruth had to help Naomi walk between 80 and 100 miles for Naomi to go home. Can you imagine to help somebody who can't, who's elderly it's probably difficult. There wasn't wheelchairs. There wasn't buses. She had to walk her and feed her, what, 10 miles a day? Maybe 15. So it probably took her about 7 or 10 days to walk her home, just to get her home to a place that Ruth had never been. It's just the beginning, isn't it? And she arrives in Jerusalem, uh, in Bethlehem, and she's an outsider. She doesn't know anyone. She's already committed herself, promised, so she's going, she's walked a hundred miles with someone who was probably had trouble walking, feeding them, looking after them, making sure they're fed and watered. And then she gets to a place she's never been, and she knows she's going to be an outsider before she starts. Amen. Oh, Are we willing to be an outsider to show the Lord? To show the love of the Lord. Amen. 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 And when she arrives, oh, you think, oh, that's nice. They'll look after her. 
they're going to take care of her. No. No, it raises another question, doesn't it? Is Ruth just full of good intentions because she is going to have to live her promise and she is going to have to live what she sees in the Because she said, may your God be my Now I'm committed to serving God. And if serving God means helping you, that's what I'm going to do. I love that she doesn't choose what she will do to serve. Hallelujah. Oops. I'll do that, but you know, I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll do, I'm not going to clean the toilets, but I'll, I'll, I'll make the tea. Making tea's all right, but not when you do. I, I once took a hundred youth away, and um, I can remember we were, we were in a church, and there was only two toilets, so a hundred youth toilets. We were sleeping on the floor, so it was a bit, a bit of a camp out, you know, and one of the toilets broke. Amen. So I'm leading this work and I'm doing the work and the toilet broke. And I said to the youth leader of the church we were at, listen, the toilet's broke. He said, nothing to do with me. <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, I got a cup and a brush and some rubber gloves. And I had to empty the toilet by hand into a bucket. So I did that. I was on my hands and knees. Amen. Praising the Lord like you do when you're emptying the toilet by hand. And... Uh, and then I looked up and I saw the youth leaders having a cup of tea and watching me and pointing. And I thought to myself in my heart, I thought, why am I doing this? What's wrong with me? Because we can go there, can't we? What's wrong with me? Why am I doing it? Why isn't someone else doing it? Why do I have to do the mucky job? Well, because you do. Because it needs to be done. Amen. It's easy to do the easy stuff. It's easy to do the job that everyone sees, that everybody thinks is great. It's not so easy to do the other stuff and do it with good things. I can remember in, in my lifetime, I've worked as a, as a care assistant in a home and I was bathing a, a, a man with disabilities and, and I was just dressing him and I just bathed him and I turned around and um, I was getting his clothes, and, and my foot was getting warm. And I was like, ah. And I'd had a really bad week. You know what a bad week's like. So I, I'm, and, and I could feel my shoe filling up. And I turned around, squitch, and I was like, Philip. Not his real name. <laughs> and he, he sort of went, ah, oh, I'm sorry, mate, I'm sorry. And then I was dressing him, and afterwards I said, you know what, Lord, why me? Why me, you know, all the things that have happened this week and I've got a foot full of wheat, you know, come on, give me a break. It seems a bit unfair. And God said to me, you know what, why not you? And I, I had to repent. I had to repent of my attitude towards serving God because I'm the one who went in the meeting and put my hand up in a meeting and said, whatever you ask me to do, Lord, I will do. And sometimes when people come to me and they say, oh, I want to do, I'll do whatever God says. I said, okay, do that. Oh, I'm not doing that. I said, then you need to go away and repent. Amen. Come on. How many times have we sat in a meeting and said, oh, I'll do anything for God. But we can't say I'll do anything for God and then say, but I ain't doing that. Hallelujah. 
That's what we learn from Ruth and Naomi. I will do anything for you. And I will serve your God. And whatever I'm asked to do, I will do. And it gets worse for her. Ruth has to glean corn. See how I came nicely there to the title. Did you like? Have you ever gleaned? Hands up. Anyone who's ever gleaned corn? You glean corn. Anyone else? I'm going to show you what gleaning corn is like because I've done it. I used to be a, a, an apprentice on a farm. When the combine goes by, but it wasn't combines in those days, was it? It was sides. So we used to side. We used to side the wetland, right? And then you side it off, and then, you, and then whatever falls on the ground, they have to leave. See? So they side, and the stubble is about this long. I don't know if you ever looked. Look at a field after the combine's been over. You'll see the stubble's about this long. It's always been the same. And the stubble is straw. Those big yellow bales that you see, that's straw. It's not hay, okay? Hay's in the, bla- in the plastic. Bit of agricultural history for you there. It's about this long. And they leave that and they plough it into the ground and it, it fertilises next year. So what, this is what Ruth had to do to feed her and Naomi. She'd get on her knees, right? And she had to walk through the stubble, which is like walking on nails, because I've done it. She'll have had some sacks tied to her leg, and she'll have had to go through like this. And she had to pick up whatever corn was left, and she'd put it in a bag, and she'd have to do that all day long so that they could eat. And her fingers, because they wouldn't have had good gloves then, they'd have been bleeding, because the, the, the straw goes up your fingers when you reach down. It goes up your fingers. And she'd have walked like that all day long while they were harvesting, trying to get food every day. Because if she didn't, they didn't eat. And she's got to feed two of them. See, when you think you got it bad, remember the gleaning. You walk along on your knees. Your fingers are bleeding. And you're trying to get some corn to eat. But you said yes. Sometimes I think give up too easy. That's why I like Ruth. She didn't give up. Amen. You know, I once was I taught this sermon before and I said somebody came to me and said, Oh, this this you know, it's easy for you to say. What does that even mean? I didn't make the promise. Oh Pastor, I've come to say sorry to you. I said, Look, I'm really sorry, I love you. Don't say sorry to me, it don't mean nothing. Oh, that's a bit harsh, Pastor. You're being a bit heavy, aren't you? I said, no. Oh, you're being legalistic. I said, no, I'm not. Because he didn't make the promise to me. Didn't make the promise to me. I said, I'm happy with you. You seem like a nice guy. I said, no problem for me. I said, it's not a promise you made to me. Who did you make the promise to? Oh, yeah, I was in a meeting. And I said, well, then say sorry to him. Say sorry to God. Because you didn't do the thing you said you'd do. Oh, pastor, that seems... I said, no, do it. Start with a clean sheet. He is willing to forgive. Instead of just burying it and pretending you never promised and you didn't say it, and well, I never really said in the meeting, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, whatever that is, without asking the price beforehand. Say sorry then. I'd have to say sorry at home. 
If I said, oh, Death, now I'm going to do all the hoovering before you come home and I don't do it, I'd say, oh, sorry, love. <laughs> Didn't do it. Because I know she'd notice. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about commitment to God? Or are we just talking about commitment to being comfortable? The kingdom of comfort where I am king. Hallelujah. I'll just have this. This is the kingdom of comfort where I am king. I'll do what I like, thank you very much. Don't you tell me what to do. I am not judging. I'm asking you if you committed to do something before God and didn't do it. So then the question begs itself, doesn't it? Who sits on the throne of your heart? Come on. See, this is what we talk about. This is what I'm talking about. What is your commitment? What is your relationship with God? Is it just here on a Sunday or you do what you like? Is he the king of your heart or not? And you might, you might just have to dethrone yourself. Oh, hallelujah. That's a hard one to do, isn't it? Because I kind of like who I see in the mirror. Amen. And I'm the kingdom. In the kingdom of comfort. I'm the king. This is my kingdom. Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody tells me what to promise. Nobody tells me where I stand and don't stand. I know where I stand. But I'm asking you, where do you stand in God? Not where do you stand with me? Where do you stand with the church? Where do you stand in life? What have you committed to that you haven't done? I never get an amen then. Amen. I want to be a person who lives like Ruth promised. And I think in the age that we live in and in the time that we live in, we need to be people who live what we promise to do. We need to be men and women of our word. We need to be men and women of the word. We need to be people who stand. And if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to live it. And I'm going to be that way because that's who I want to be. Before Almighty God. Amen. That's the lesson we learn from Ruth. And I want others to see my Lord through my life. And I see God in her life. And God honors her. We know that she marries Boaz. And we know that she goes on to be in the line of Jesus. But I, I'm so moved by the promise that she makes. That she takes a stand. And says, I am going to do something. And she does it. And she takes herself off the throne of her heart. And she puts God on with a promise that she honors in her life. Everyone can see it. Because Boaz says, who is she? He sees it. From, some say he was on a horse. I have no idea. But he sees it. And he's drawn to it. Oh, would that be us? Would people see who we are in God and be drawn to who we are in God and, and want to hear what we have to say? Because we're a promise keeper. We're a prayer warrior. Amen. We're people of the word. We are people who stand. We are people who keep our promises. We are people of God. You see, that's my ambition. I want to be like that. When we talk, it should mean something. And we stand. We stand together. 
You know, when we started the work in Iceland, we, the first thing we teach the young people who come to us is this. I knew you'd like that. Praise the Lord. It's the language of heaven, you know, Icelandic. Did you know that? It's because it takes forever to learn. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, sorry. Take your stand and stand together means take a stand and stand together. Take your stand and stand together. That's exactly what Ruth and Naomi do. They decide they're going to be together in it. I can imagine that Ruth came home from the fields with this bag of corn that she was able to glean and Naomi would know and Naomi would bake. And Naomi would do what she could in the relationship. Amen. You see, I believe in God. Sounds like a strange statement to make, doesn't it? Amen. I believe that God will do what I cannot. But I believe in doing what I can. Amen. I want to be a man of promise. One of the other things I really love about, about uh, Ruth is her courage. Over the years I've tried to think what the courage in her heart must have been like to commit to the promise, not to say it, because we can all say anything, say what you like. To commit to a promise that she made and live it. Imagine the courage. I'm so looking forward to meeting her, aren't you? I just wanna, I wanna talk to her about the courage that it took to overcome her fear. Because courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Amen. She understood what she was saying. She says it, because she must have thought about it. And she does it. And she overcomes whom? Who's her worst enemy? Herself. Herself. Her doubt. Her fear. Will people want to hear me? Do people look at me? Look at me. Does anyone want to listen to me? Is anybody? We, we, we do that. And that's what the enemy does to us. He takes away what God has given us. Because what God has given us can't be seen. That's a strange thought, isn't it? I can look at Terry. I don't know if Terry's a Christian or not. I assume he is. Amen? I don't, I don't know. I only know what you tell me. Amen? So a lot of what we have is inside. Amen? And what does the devil want to do? He wants you to keep it inside. He doesn't want you to share it. Amen? I, I, I've said this many times, but I'll say it again. I struggled for a long time because of my dyslexia. Who's going to listen to me? Who's interested? I've been stabbed, beaten, bullied, beat up, kicked out. Whatever you want to name. And over the years, the devil's done a great job saying, well, who are you? You're useless, you. You're worthless. And he's still doing it today to us. Why do we let him? I want to stand up like Naomi, like Ruth, and say, you know what, God? I give you this. You know my favorite poem? It comes from the Second World War. It was actually a password used by one of the agents who went to war, went into France. And it goes like this. And I often say this to God because I, I, I love God and I just want to serve him. The life that I have is all that I have. 
and all that I have is yours. And the love that I have for the life that I have is yours and yours. And whenever I feel the enemy coming on me and saying, you're no good, you're useless, why would anybody listen to you? I think the life that I have is all that I have. That is yours. And the love that I have, because we do, we've got grandchildren, we've got children, we've got people we're related to, we've got people that we, we, we interact with, we've got people that we love. But the love that I have for the life that I have is yours and yours and yours. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today. What do people see when they see us? What do they hear when they hear us? I wonder if we can, perhaps some of us need to recommit. Perhaps some of us do need to say sorry. I've sat in a meeting and said I'll do anything and I know that I haven't. It's okay. This is a new day. Amen. Thank goodness we serve the Lord a second chances, amen? And third chances and fourth chances because he is righteous to forgive those that... And amen, come on. This is who we are, children of the living God. Ruth 1, 16 to 18. But Ruth replied, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if anything but death separates me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined, determined, hallelujah, to go with her, she stopped urging her. Perhaps we can take that home today. Have a think about it. It's good. Say we've been on a journey and stopped and thinking about our relationship with God. I'll commit to where are we at? Am I doing the things I'm comfortable with or am I just doing whatever I feel God's calling me to do? Let's stretch a little bit. I want to say it's about age, but it isn't. I was 62. I was saying, God, are you finished with me? And I didn't hear anything. Not even laughing, amen. You know, it's not about youth, it's not about age, it's about art. And that's really the journey that I've invited you to share with us. And we meet, we meet here at the moment, Stockton Church. But we're on that journey of where's my heart? Who sits? What are the things I've given and what are the things I've held back? Does he have all of the seat? A bit of the seat? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for Ruth. We see her courage and commitment to you because of what she saw of you in Naomi. And we're, we're humbled. Thank you for for showing us this. Lord, that we might perhaps ourselves look at our promises we've made 
our commitments and see where we stand with you. And Lord, help us, Lord, this week even. Help us to live for you. Help us to reach others for you, that others might see what you have done for us, in us, and often through us. We want to serve you with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. But we need your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.